Thank you, John. Well, it's an honor to be here today. It's kind of one of those things. How many of you ever watched Sesame Street? Just raise your hand if you've ever watched Sesame Street. So remember that song they used to sing, like, one of these things is not like the other? I kind of feel like that standing on this stage with all of the incredible pastors that have stood here and preached through the years. And of course, with Dr. Young being here for so many years, it's like I'm standing here like, like, why am I here? Someone got the wool pulled over their eyes. And so I'm thrilled to be able to have pulled the wool over Dr. Young's eyes to be able to stand here and preach today. And it's also an honor for me to be able to stand here today because my dad preached here a number of times way back uh, years ago. Dr. Jerry Falwell had the opportunity of preaching here. He and Dr. Young were dear friends. And, and so for me to be here, it's a blessing. It's also a blessing because my nephew also attends here at Second Baptist Church. Paul, uh, Paul Savis. Paul, stand over here if you would. Paul is a... Uh, He's a PhD student at Rice University, which means he is the smartest person in our family. Uh, He's the kind of guy that you could take to lunch and sit down, and as he begins talking, you literally have no clue what he's talking about as he begins talking about all of the things that they're doing. He took me on a tour not long ago over of the labs over at Rice University, and he was showing me all the different things that he was doing and showed me all the different equipment that he was doing, and he's teaching students how to do all of these things. And I walked out of there feeling wholly inadequate. So thank you, Paul, for that opportunity for making me feel like I'm a loser in life. But today, we're going to talk about something far more important, and that is the Word of God. Now, oftentimes, I have the privilege and the opportunity of preaching, and I always talk about how we preach and we stand on the Word of God. Today, I don't stand on the Word of God. I stand under the Word of God because of this beautiful... beautiful monograph that's above me. What a great, great story to recognize that if we do not stand with, stand on, believe in the inerrancy, the infallibility of scripture, then we will lose everything. And so today in full disclosure, I want you to know that I believe that this book is the absolute word of God. And so today we're going to spend time talking about what God wants us to hear today. And so let's pray together before we jump into his word. Father, today we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together. Lord, to open your word, to spend time hearing from you. And I pray that today as we do so, God, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us. And most importantly, that you would change us. Because Father, I know that there are people maybe in this room or watching, listening today who may have never come into that life-changing encounter with you, that they never have actually recognized, God, that you love them so very much that you sent your only son, Jesus, who came to this earth and died on the cross, was buried, and rose again three days later. And as a result of that gift, because of God's love for us, that through believing in Jesus, his death and his resurrection, that we can be saved and have the hope and the promise of eternal life. And so, God, I pray that today as we spend time in your word, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here or anyone watching who has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they have that encounter with you and that they're changed forever. And God, we give you the praise and glory in advance of the work that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Jude. And in case you're wondering where that book is, go all the way to the very end of your Bible, the book of Revelation, and then turn back a page. 
because the book of Jude is a one chapter. It's a small little book written by the half brother of Jesus, which by the way, that while Jesus was here, he did not actually believe in Jesus. He did not come to Christ and, and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ until after Jesus had risen from the grave, which again gives us that picture of that life-changing encounter that Jude had. And he recognized by seeing Jesus as his brother that he did not believe in until after he rose from the grave. Jude saw Jesus risen from the grave and obviously that changed his life. And by the way, it ought to change yours as well. But Jude wrote this letter, this small little letter to the church. Now, he didn't write it to a church, he wrote it to the church. And guess what all of you in this room are? Can someone tell me what all of you in this room are? The church. So Jude wrote this letter to us. He wrote this letter to encourage us, to strengthen us, to guide us, and to help us in the moment that we're in. Because by the way, in case you have not been paying attention, we are in a mess in our world today. The world is out of control. We are seeing things happen today that if you go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now uh, from, uh, ago, we would never have imagined we would be where we are today. I can tell you that there are things that are accepted today that 10 years ago we would have said that will never happen. The completely turning upside down of truth, the turning upside down of morality, the turning upside down of reality, of everything that we believe, everything that we hold dear, everything that we hold close as the truth, the truth that, that is real, not only from God's word, but just like the truth like that just makes sense, like the fact that there are men and there are women, period. And all of this stuff has been turned upside down. Why? Because the world has rapidly run away from truth. Now I'm here to tell you today, and I know Dr. Young has told you for years here, that truth is always truth. And truth will never cease to be truth because truth is truth and truth cannot be anything but truth. We live in a culture today where truth has been turned upside down. And today God's word through uh, the, the writer of this book, through Jude, the half brother of Jesus, he gives us our statement of what we must do when we talk about, again, I know you've been talking about this this summer, like of this life-changing encounter that we have with Christ, what that should do in and through us. And by the way, if you come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it doesn't radically transform you and radically change you and put you on a completely new course and change everything that you thought, everything that you believe, and everything that you do, then you're not doing it right. Because that's what Jesus will do to all of us. And so let's read in this passage in the book of Jude. We're going to read from verses 16 all the way down to the end of the chapter. Now Jude is again talking about some of the, the false teachers that have come into the church and talking about all the problems that they're facing and talking about all the, the, the situations that, that the church is up against and the attacks and the, the brutality of, of doctrine that was coming at them. And so he writes these words in verse 16. He said, these people are discontented grumblers living according to their own desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you, in the end time, there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. 
Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by uh, snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Now, Jude gives us these verses today to help us to recognize what we must do in response to the life-changing encounter that we have with Jesus Christ. Now, Jude certainly had it. There's no doubt, there's no question that he had a life-changing transformation, a life-changing encounter when he saw Jesus risen from the grave. Now, you've got to imagine that Jude, being the half-brother of Jesus, when he was hearing all of the things about Jesus when, you know, before Jesus died on the cross, when he was seeing all the people worship Jesus, when he was seeing that triumphal entry as Jesus entered into the city, and people were taking palm branches and they're throwing them on the ground and they're celebrating the fact that here he comes a son of God as the half-brother of Jesus, as the one who did not believe in Jesus. Can you imagine what he must have thought about Jesus getting all this attention? That his brother was getting all of this attention, being celebrated, and he's probably like, this dude drives me nuts. I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. And so then when Jesus comes into the city, and then a week later when he is nailed to the cross, I don't know whether Jude was like happy that Jesus had been killed. He probably was not, but yet it didn't really mess up his day because, you know, now he's probably thinking, like now I don't have to deal with all of that celebration and all of that stuff. I'm not going to have to compete with Jesus anymore because he's gone. But then, as you know, three days later, when Jesus rose from that grave and when Jude saw the resurrected Jesus, it changed everything. That was an encounter that changed his entire life and it changed the rest of his life, the trajectory of the rest of his life. And it better do the same to you. Because we live in a time today where the same attacks that Jesus faced 2,000 years ago are coming at us. And the scriptures very clearly tell us that we are in a time, we're in a place, we're in a season, in a culture where everything that we believe is going to be under attack. And by the way, that's now. The things that we believe, that we preach, that we teach, that we stand on, that we stand under in our culture, in our world today as followers of Jesus Christ, like it's under attack like never before. And so what does Jude tell us here that we must do? He tells us clearly, hey, like the world's getting worse. The world is just getting worse. Look what it says in verse 16. These people are discontent, discontented grumblers, living according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage but you dear friends remember what was predicted by the apostles of our lord jesus christ they told you in the end time there will be scoffers who live according to their own ungodly desires these people create divisions and are worldly not having the spirit does that sound familiar does that sound like what we read about and what we hear about and what we talk about and what we lament as the body of christ like the stuff that's going on in our culture i mean it sounds like that could have been written yesterday that sounds like something that, that literally we could read today and say, well, yeah, obviously, yeah, because that's what happened this morning. Like, that's what we see in God's word. Second Timothy chapter three, Paul wrote the same kind of stuff. Like, hey, the world is going to get worse. It's gonna go in places that you never imagined that it would. It's gonna look like things that you've never imagined that it could. It's going to take you into places that you never, never imagined that you would go. That is the culture in which we live. 
And so he's reminding us, Jude is saying, listen, guys, it's going to get worse. It's just going to keep getting worse. And by the way, just so you know, when you read God's word, when you read the scriptures about like the end times, like what you know is like, like what we experience today, it's going to get even worse than it is today. The world is going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then we're gone. It's an encouraging day here at Second Baptist. God bless you. Have a good one. Yes, it's going to keep getting worse and worse. But understand this, while the world keeps getting worse, God's truth remains. That the word of God, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it still changes lives. That the encounter, that life-changing encounter that we can have with Jesus Christ, it did not stop 2,000 years ago. It did not stop in 69 AD when Jude wrote this little, small, little letter. It did not stop back then that those encounters, that change, that transformation, that God-empowered moment that we can be radically transformed through experiencing the presence of God in our lives and the Holy Spirit that descends on us at the moment that we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is still true and it still changes lives today. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that transformation, man, I've got good news for you. I gave you bad news a moment ago. The world is going to get worse, but oh man, I've got good news for you. Jesus can save you. And that's what Jude is telling us very clearly. Yes, the world just keeps getting worse. So what is our response? What does Jude say that we must do? Well, what Jude says is that we just need to get better. Look what verses 20 and 21 say. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now, there's four things that we were just giving in those two verses that we need to understand. Like our response to a world that's gone mad. Because every day, let's be honest, like how many of you have ever like, you know, gotten up in the morning and maybe picked up the newspaper if you do that anymore. A lot of people don't do that anymore or more likely if you happen to look at your phone and read the news on your phone or your computer. Like, have you ever done that in today's culture and in today's time? And what you say to yourself is like, man, I can't believe what's happened in this world. I don't know what to do. Let's be honest. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I've got to be honest with you. I think all of us have felt that. Like, yes, the world has gone mad. And yes, Washington has gone mad. Hey, by the way, Washington has not gone mad. Washington has been mad for decades. Washington is messed up. It's crazy. And whether Republican or Democrat, like they're all nuts up there. I think I've heard it, you know, often you know, people kind of talk about it and joke about it, like Texas ought to secede and make its own country. Hey, that's not a bad idea, but I'm not talking about that today. Yes, the world is crazy. Yes, America's crazy. Yes, Washington is crazy. But listen to this. In response to what we see, in response to what we're experiencing, in response to the attacks that we receive, here are some things that you must do because it's important to recognize and understand that we are called to be in the world, not of the world, but we're also not called to be out of the world. In other words, isolationism does not further the kingdom of God. And there are way too many followers of Christ who say, you know what, I throw my hands up in, in disgust and I'm tired of this mess and I'm just gonna go over here and I'm gonna live in my own little world and I'm gonna live in my own little bubble and I'm gonna just be over here and I'm just gonna let the world go do what they're gonna do and I'm just gonna stay here with people who think like me and act like me and talk like me and believe like me. I'm just gonna hang out over here with them and I'm gonna let the world do what the world's gonna do. That is not what Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us clearly, you remember this, Matthew chapter 22, 
You go to Mark 16, Acts chapter one, what did Jesus tell us to do? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all the nations. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth that we have a requirement that is given by Jesus. We're told very clearly, this is what you must do. Go and tell them about Jesus. And so we cannot isolate. We cannot lock ourselves off from a crazy world. Yes, it's crazy. And yes, it's, man, it's gone mad. And yes, it's not fun to be in, but we are called to be in it because the light shines brightest in the darkness and the world is dark. And so four things that Jude gives to us here that we quickly just need to kind of make sure we understand. If you're taking notes, just jot them down or you can like underline these four words in your Bible as we talk about them. The first word is build. Jude says, as you build yourselves up. Now, how do we build ourselves up as followers of Christ? Now, obviously, you're here on a Sunday morning at church, in a great church that teaches and believes that the Bible is God's word. It preaches it, teaches it. There are Bible study groups that get together throughout the week and, and, and walk through that. Your group's meeting right now on this campus and the other campuses of this church learning God's word. That's how you build yourself up. You build yourself up by filling yourself up with God's word. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, It says the word of God is living and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This book is unlike any other book that you will ever read. And it doesn't matter what book it might be. It doesn't matter how celebrated that book might be. It doesn't matter if it's a bestseller at the top of the New York Times. It doesn't matter what that book might be. This book is the only book that you will ever read that is living, that is powerful. It will change everything, whether you like it or not. When you spend time studying God's word, you can't help but to be built up. I talked about my nephew Paul over here and a PhD student over at Rice. And they've got some books over there that most of us in this room, if we picked up and began reading, we would actually sit back and think like, there is no reason for any human to read this stuff. Because some of the stuff that's in there and all the mathematical equations and the engineering and all the stuff, like, like it's like just, we just lie. We just literally like no clue what they're talking about. And then you think, man, these people are smart. I can't believe how smart they are. I can't believe like they know all this stuff. Here's what I know. The, the, the most like knowledge filled book that my nephew will actually spend time studying through his PhD at Rice. Here's what I know. That book doesn't hold a candle to the word of God. Because the word of God, it is living and it is powerful. It tells us in God's word that it is inspired and that it is good for correction and for instruction and for instruction in righteousness. Like like it helps us to know what we do. So what does Jude say? Build yourself up. Like when the world's gone mad, when the world gets worse, when there are scoffers, when there are people who are arrogant and proud, when there are people who are like running after their own desires, when they're doing all of this stuff, what must you do as a follower of Christ? Dig deeper into God's word. The answer to the problems in our culture today is not isolation. The the answer to the problems in our culture today is the church of Jesus Christ knowing the word of God better. Because that's how we will face and that's how we will encounter the world. And so it says, build yourself up. That passage goes on to say, not only build yourselves up, but you must make sure that you are praying in the Holy Spirit. You know that when you come to Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit enters you in that moment, right? Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, the comforter, will come alongside. 
and will walk with you every day for the rest of your life, every single day. You'll never face a moment. You'll never face a trial. You'll never face a conflict. You'll never face a division. You will never face a bad report from a doctor. You'll never face a job loss. You will never face a financial challenge. You will never face anything for the rest of your life alone because the Holy Spirit will be with you. You'll still face those things, but the Holy Spirit's gonna be with you to comfort you and encourage you and guide you and lead you and correct you all the way through. And isn't it good to know that we don't have to face this world alone? And so what we're told to do here, Jude says, so make sure you're praying in the Holy Spirit, making sure that you're spending time recognizing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life because it changes everything. So two things, build and pray. What's the third word? The third word he gives us there in verse 20 is this, Keep, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you keep yourselves in the love of God? Well, if you go back a couple of pages in your Bible into the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, all through those three letters that John wrote, here's what it says. If you love God, keep his commandments. If you love God, obey. If you love who he is, then do what he's told you to do. So how do we keep ourselves in the power of God? How do we keep ourselves in our faith? Here's how we do it. We simply know God's word. We pray on God's word and we do God's word. We must keep the commandments. We must do what God has called us to do. It drives me crazy today when I see so many Christians who are followers of Christ. They'll claim the name of Christ They walk around with that Willy Wonka ticket, the gold ticket in the back pocket, like, I'm going to heaven. Man, I know I'm going to heaven. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Man, heaven is mine, eternal. I'm gonna spend eternity with God. And then they go out and live however they wanna live. They go out there and they'll walk in the world and they'll try to figure out not how like far away they can get from sin, but rather as a follower of Christ, figure out how close to the line can they live. God has never called you as a follower of Jesus Christ to figure out how close to the line you can live. God has called you to live like him. The Bible says that we are to be holy. Why? Because he is holy. John said, if you love him, keep his commandments. And so when Jude writes these words and he says, make sure that you uh, are, are not only, you know, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you do it? Do what God told you to do. And you're sitting back and saying, well, I don't really know what God told me to do. Yeah, you do because you can hold it in your hand. Because God's word is very clear. This is what we are to do. And then the last one. So we build and we make sure we you know, are praying. We make sure that we're keeping. But then the last word that he gives to us is, and wait. It says, wait expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. In other words, what you do is you make sure that every day of your life you live as if you have 100 years left, but You, in your mind, recognize and understand you work like you've got lots of time, but you live as this could be the day that Jesus could return. Like you are just ready, making sure that when Christ returns, and I believe firmly that we're getting closer and closer every day, when you read God's word, it talks about the end times, like, man, it just seems like, man, that that looks like we could be like today. Now, I'm not one of these guys who, you know, says like, you know, on you know, July the 19th at 3.32 p.m. in the afternoon. Like, that's when Jesus is going to return. I'm not one of those guys. There are people like that. Uh, I've heard many times, we've all heard it, preachers that have said, you know, hey, at this time, I believe that Jesus is going to return on this day. I remember one time back in 1972, 
1972, there was a very prominent preacher in our country. And he had made the declaration that he had studied God's word and he had kind of had this revelation from God that on September the 5th of that year, Jesus was going to return. Now, when I heard that, I was six years old at the time. Man, I was ticked off. I was, I, I was really ticked off. And here's why I was ticked off. I was ticked off because my birthday is September 7th. <laughs> like, how dare Jesus return two days before my birthday? I've already got my list of what I want. Now, he didn't come back in 1972, and he hasn't come today, but here's what I want you to know. He could come this afternoon. He could show up this afternoon. The question is, are you going to be ready? Are you waiting expectantly for that moment that the clouds will be rolled back and the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That sounds like a really good thing, and it could happen today. It could happen at any moment, at any place. So you better make sure, because it could happen at any time, you better make sure you're living your life so that wherever you are at any time, you'll be ready for that time. Making sure that you're ready. So that's what Jude says, man, build yourselves up in God's word. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in your faith. Oh, and wait expectantly. Because man, no matter how bad the world might seem, God has a plan that's better. God has something that's so much greater. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. When he spoke those words 2,000 years ago, he wasn't just speaking those words to the disciples who gathered with him there on that night before he died and before he was going to the cross. No, no, no. He was speaking those words to you. Sitting here in Second Baptist Church in Houston, In July of 2022, Jesus was saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know, as we sit in this room, the thousands of people that are gathered here in this room, here's what I know. I know this, that for every one of us in this room, this could be the last day. This could be our last moment. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus said that he recognized like that could be our last, and he said, I'm going to build a place for you. Oh, and if I go and build a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And that statement in John chapter 14 said, oh man, let not your heart be troubled. I know it's tough out there, but don't be troubled. What you're about to see, I know it's gonna get tough, but let not your heart be troubled because in my father's house are many mansions. God has prepared a place for us that goes beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. How great is the promise of God? And so while we know that the world is getting worse, we know according to Jude's writing here in God's word that was given under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, man, we just need to get better. But not only do we need to just get better, but we also need to reach wider. Like look what it says in verse 22. In verse 22, it says this. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now, in these two verses, he gives us a a picture of three different groups of people that you're going to encounter in your lifetime. Three different groups of people. He says first, he says, listen, make sure that you have mercy on those who waver. Now, here's who he's talking about. 
He's talking about those who are followers of Christ, those who are within the body of Christ, who because of the attacks of false teaching, because of bad doctrine, and you know we live in a world today where churches can have bad doctrine, right? You know there are some preachers, like, like major preachers, like big time name preachers, like te- preachers on TV, like they can have bad doctrine. You know that, right? And the problem is, is because they are so pervasive that we in the body of Christ, if we're not building ourselves up, we can get confused. And Jude's saying, listen, have mercy on those people who waver, who, who are confused, those people who are kind of are wavering in their doctrine. Have mercy on them. Don't like just kick them out. Don't like kick them to the curb. Don't throw them out. Like, like, like embrace them. Why? Because God has called you to give them truth. Why? Because truth is truth and truth will never cease to be truth because truth can always be truth, right? And so, so we have to understand and recognize. Like, like, yeah, have mercy on those who waver. But then he goes on to say this. <clears throat> Not only have mercy on those who waver, but then he says this, and save others by snatching them from the fire. And I think that one's pretty self-explanatory, right? We live in a culture today where there are people that you will encounter today. Like when you walk out into our culture today, into the Houston today, into your neighborhoods today, into your restaurants that you go to <clears throat> for lunch today, you're going to encounter people who don't know Christ. And so what God's word is saying, listen, hey, hey you, you've got to reach them. You've got to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It drives me nuts when I hear stories of Christians who go to restaurants on Sundays after church. And they'll sit there and they'll, you know, go and celebrate the wonderful day they had in church. And they'll go and they'll, you know, they'll walk into a restaurant and they'll like not tip or they'll tip like a dollar on a hundred dollar bill or, you know, something that drives me nuts. Like Christians ought to tip better than anybody else. Why? Because we're the light, the hands, the feet of Christ. So if you can't tip well when you go to a restaurant after church on Sunday, go home and eat. It's easy. Just go home and eat. Like, like, like we ought to be like the best of society, not the worst, right? Do you agree with that? And so we have to have mercy on, on, on others. We have to make sure that we're helping to save, reach people, like save them from the fire that is certain to come. Because I believe in a real place called hell. And I hope you do too. Because that's what God's word says. And there's a third group of people. It says, have mercy on those who waver. Save those. Snatch them from the fires of hell. But then it goes, and then have mercy on others who uh, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Because we know that there are people you will encounter who may never come to Christ, who may never come to that realization that Jesus died for them and rose again for them and that Jesus is the only hope that they have. And here's what God's word says. Don't look down on them. Don't criticize them. Don't kick them out. Here's what you do. You love them anyway. <clears throat> you have mercy on them anyway. Now, it says be careful. Like be fearful. Don't, like, don't, don't get drawn into their way of life. Like, like, like hate the sin, but man, you love the sinner. Man, you reach out and love them. So we need to reach wider. And so God's word through Jude's writing here very clearly gives us this picture. Yes, the world's gonna get worse, absolutely. And so we need to just get better, absolutely. And we need to reach wider. Why? Because we just can't lose. That's the good thing. Look what it says in verses 24 and 25. It says, now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. I love what it says there in verse 24. To him who is able... Here's what I want you to know about the journey that you're on, this Christian walk that you're on in a world that's gone mad. Here's what I want you to know. You are not able to stand up against the attacks of Satan and the demons that are out there in this world. You can't stand up against them. They're more powerful than you. But here's what I know, again, reading through John's epistles is this. 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so while you may not be stronger than the attacks from Satan, who is like the one who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, who is prowling around like a lion to take you down, while you are not strong enough to go up against him on your own because of God, because of his son, Jesus Christ, because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, here's what I know. He is able and you can't lose. And so we must recognize knowing that God has already fought the battle. He's already won the war. We have nothing to lose. We have nothing to fear. We have everything to gain. Then stand up. In today's culture where people are constantly saying God is not relevant, you stand up and say, oh, yes, he is. Our God is alive. He is the King of kings. And Jesus is the Lord of lords. And one day the clouds will be rolled back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, period. End of story. He is able. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus has done. And as followers of Jesus Christ, no matter how bad the world might seem, we, the followers, the body of Christ, we, the church, we must stand up, we must be loud, we must be heard, and we must be unashamed because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation. It was 2,000 years ago, and I promise you this, it is still true today. Jesus is the only way, period. So preach it, teach it, share it, give it, live in it, celebrate it, love it, tell others about it, don't ever be ashamed of it. And here's what I know, no matter how bad the world might get, we will still change this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who God is. That's what his word says. And today I pray that that's how you will live.